0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Happy Wednesday. I admit I had a little bit of a hitch there because I had to remind myself what day it is today. But, uh... It is the third day of spring training, so that's good news. And, and with that, uh, there's a lot of uh, news that's starting to develop. We will get to that in very short order. But first of all, I'd like to introduce our guest, somebody I'm very, very excited to have on the show. We have Scott Styrus, a cricketer from New Zealand, and uh, also uh, a fantasy baseball player. And, of course, that's how I've come to know Scott. Uh, so, Scott, uh, welcome to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. Yeah,
1: afternoon. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And just, uh, you know, working out the time differences and everything, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, uh, finding the way to, to, to come on here today. Um, now, Scott, I, I know very, very little about cricket, and 99% of what I do know is from conversing with you. So what I do know, uh, at least from my online research, is that you're an all-rounder. Um, I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, but maybe you could just tell us a little bit uh, about uh, what that is all about and, and just generally what you've been up to lately.
1: Okay, sure, yeah. Well, uh, cricket, there's no, there's no subs, so the same 11 players who start the game uh, have to finish the game, so there's no pinch hitters, pinch runners. So uh, the all-rounder, if you like, is someone who can effectively pinch, uh, sorry, pinch, can effectively bat as well as, as pitch. So you are a little bit more valuable in that sense because you can offer more than more than one thing. So you know, I guess it could be like a, a national league pitcher who can hit a little bit uh, is is one way to describe it. But yeah, cricket, cricket's um, around the world. It's a it's the same game really as, as baseball. There's, you've just got to score more runs in the opposition, and uh, and the ball is roughly the same. And the speeds in baseball are probably a fraction quicker overall. Uh, we had some guys who can touch a hundred mile an hour, but uh that's the exception rather than the rule uh The only big differences really between the two are that you can you can hit the batter as many times as you like in cricket if you're good enough uh and it hurts so uh so guys get padded up a little bit like n f l uh, players do but um it's it's still the same yeah hit see the ball hit the ball but yeah so, <laughs> well yeah. somebody uh
0: asked us on twitter a question about uh comparing cricket and, and baseball. We'll get to that much later in the show but um I, again, this is you're here because you play fantasy baseball, and uh, it's a pretty interesting story how you came uh, into that world. Uh, maybe you can just share that with uh, with the audience.
1: Yeah, well, we, we travel. The, the cricket world is still rather than being franchises like uh, like American sport, cricket is still is still country versus country at the highest level you can get. So, we spend uh, when I was playing full time, you're all around the world all the time, and. Uh, and that includes England, and that's a lot of travel for us. So my younger brother was in was at Berkeley in the uh, in the US at college, and so I went over to see him. Uh, and and Berkeley being near Oakland, uh, I thought, well, I better go and see what this baseball game's like, because as I've just mentioned, they're, they're similar. Uh, and and sort of enjoyed it. I enjoyed a couple of the games that uh, when I went and saw there, and. And because we do travel all around the world, a lot of the stopovers we have are in in LA or, or Miami or New York or whatever it might be. So, if we do get any any layover, then uh, I tend to go along. So I had that a couple about uh, eighteen months ago when I was on my way to the to the Caribbean, and uh, I had seventeen hours in LA, and and Stephen Nats who I I'd recently picked up when he first got called up. Uh, would happen to be pitching that day at Dodger Stadium. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the airport and instead of sitting in my hotel room, I'll go and watch uh, this new guy who I've got on my side. So there are some benefits. but And it came from that, really. My, my younger brother was was in the US. And then from that, a few of the other cricket players who, who were my teammates uh, started enjoying baseball as well from afar. And uh, and then we, we went into a few games and, and decided then to start a fantasy league, which has been going about seven or eight, nine, ten years now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Well, let's uh, get on with the uh, the recent news here, and, and hopefully, uh, Scott, help you and, and also the listeners uh, with the, with their long running teams. So, unfortunately, starting with uh, with some bad news, um, Alex Reyes, the Cardinals' top prospect, is going to have Tommy John surgery. It was widely anticipated that he would start the year uh, in the Cardinals' rotation. He was uh, at least going to get a shot and compete with Michael Walker. So Reyes out for the year, of course, uh, in Dynasty Leagues. He's somebody that you would still want to hold on to and and ride this out. But uh, no Alex Reyes for 2017, unfortunately. Um, But there is now a situation in the Cardinals rotation where it would appear that Waka would have a spot now. But I think it also probably moves up the timeline maybe for Luke Weaver, who uh, came up for a short period last year. Scott, what are your thoughts about uh, Waka and
1: Weaver and their value for 2017? Yeah, look, I always liked Michael Waka. I couldn't understand how he fell off a cliff so badly in his performance that uh, when he first came in, he took took the lead by storm a little bit, and he, he looked like he belonged. That was half of it. When he was on there, I thought he he, he had a presence about him where he was dominant, but it just didn't seem to work, but so deep down, I like to think that that talent is still there, um, which means he's he's a, a a sleeper option, if you like. I think he's someone who uh, you need to watch closely in spring training. I'd you know he's certainly on my radar anyway. I don't know a huge amount about Luke Weaver other than he's you know uh, well respected and um, uh, got a lot of reputation behind him, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like Walker to some degree, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, afraid of cutting bait with him too if he started pulling.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel about Waka as well. And in fact, last year before the collapse, uh, I, I, he was somebody one of the first pitchers I did let go of in a in a league, and uh, it was something that I think some of the other owners had some questions about why I would do that. And it's not that I foresaw that he was going to have a bad season, but it's just. Even when we've seen Waka at his best, he's been very effective, but the peripherals underlying the performance have been good but not great. So particularly in a shallower league, it's you know it's not unthinkable, especially in this year's circumstance, that you would let Waka go. Uh, now there is also some more positive Tommy John surgery-related news. Carter Caps, who had the surgery last spring, of course since then traded from the Marlins to the Padres, uh Caps may be healthy enough to actually be in the bullpen opening day and more than that Andy Green the manager of the Padres says that if Caps has a good spring he may start the year as the Padres closer so i have to think that that's pretty exciting news
1: yeah i agree anytime uh, someone gets that closer role he, he automatically comes on the radar um it's not going to be for a great team, is it? But often that, that can be the case. They don't win often, but when they do win, it's, it's they're close games, and they can be valuable in their own right. And uh, he's got the skills. So definitely he's he's uh, he's at the back end for me, but I, I do like him.
0: And, uh, he definitely moves way up my rankings. I uh, haven't placed him just yet. And I'll hold back a little bit just because there's a lot of ifs here. If he's healthy <laughs> enough, if he has a good spring, if he's really given a genuine shot to compete for that role. But this is somebody that even when he's not closing, particularly in a deeper format, you look at all the strikeouts the Caps gets and the good ratios and you think this is somebody I might even consider when he's not closing. So the fact that he could get saves for the Padres, I think that that could potentially maybe late in the spring if the role firms up a little bit for him. I could see putting him maybe in my top 15 among relievers. He's, wow. he's a way off from that right now, but he's, he's that good.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, see, we play in the holds league, so picking up uh, players like Caps is, is is actually not a risk because if he does happen to grab the job, then then great. And if he doesn't, then he still has his role to play. Um, you, you don't think, though, that he's there are, with the fact that there are the injury issues that the stuff won't be the same. Uh, that's
0: a it's a possibility. That that's a very good point. And particularly control is something that pitchers can struggle with a lot when they come back from this the surgery. But that's the thing: is if this were caps with no sort of health concerns, I'd probably have him in the top five or six. So for me to say yeah. top fifteen with a pretty clear shot at it saves, that's me actually kind of soft pedaling him a little bit.
1: Oh, so, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, he in terms of skills, when healthy, he's he's one of the best. Mm-hmm. But he's rarely been able to stay healthy for for long. So that's something that you always have to build in uh, particularly this year with with carter caps and uh another i'm sorry go ahead
1: i was just going to ask you what's his deal then is this is this one of those situations where if he does come back to that old form then by mid-year they're looking to trade him uh to get something back and then he may lose that job when he goes to a contender
0: oh that's also an excellent point especially with the padres i think that that's it's def- I don't know if it's a likely scenario, but it's one that you could definitely see happening. So that may be another thing that would, even with everything else going right, might keep him out of the top five or six. But then again, remember last year, more than two-thirds of all the opening day closers eventually did lose that position, either due to injury or, or trade or demotion. So... I wouldn't put him in the same class under any circumstance with a, a Zach Britton or an enrolled as Chapman or Wade Davis. But again, if everything breaks right for him, I could see putting him in the next tier down, even with the, the, all the risks Scott that you bring up, which I think are, are all really valid concerns.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah it's history. doesn't That's a big thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to, a closer who's certainly going to draw, I think, less intrigue and, and probably less interest than Caps, if Caps is indeed a closer this year. And that's Jenmar Gomez, but that's kind of a strange situation there in Philadelphia. Now, Gomez was the Phillies' closer for nearly all of last season. Started off fairly well, tailed off towards the end. And what looked to be an open competition again, and I think one where a lot of fancy owners were looking at uh, Hector Neris is. Maybe the front runner. Well, now it looks like it is Gomez's job to lose in Philadelphia. Uh, Pete McCann, the manager, says that Gomez deserves the closer's role after last season's performance. Any interest there, Scott?
1: Not a huge amount, to be perfectly honest. Similar thing: a, a, a bad team, uh, a, a guy who pitched arguably above himself to begin last year. Uh, it's another one of those situations. I wouldn't be too disappointed by. By taking Neris or, or you know, Joaquin Benoit if he's if he's looking like he's back to the old guy that he usually is, uh, and waiting for Gomez to fail. I'm not a huge believer in what he does, even though he pitched pretty well last year. But saves are saves, and you've got to pick him up somewhere.
0: Well, I think a lot of owners probably just look at the fact that Gomez doesn't get very many strikeouts and sort of discount him right from the get-go. And look, I'm not excited about Gomez, but I think I may like him enough maybe as an end-game option or certainly in leagues. My strategy this year is I'm not going to spend a lot on, on saves, especially after last year with all the turnover there was. I think I can probably make do pretty well in season with the waiver wire and, and such. But Gomez is somebody I could see maybe just to get some saves early on, get him very, very cheap, because even though he doesn't get strikeouts, he does get a lot of ground balls, and he induces a lot of soft contact. And the last two seasons combined, Gomez allowed a three oh five batting average on ground balls, where the Major League rate is typically around two forty. And the Phillies' defense last year was actually pretty good, infield defense anyway. So I— yeah. I have to think that maybe he he was a little bit unlucky last year and might be better than, than people think.
1: So yeah, well, look, I can see it. I mean, if if you're getting the job done, then you're doing something right. And and uh, he's in a small ballpark, isn't he? So if he's keeping it on the ground, that's always a plus.
0: Yeah, and that's that's something you should do. He didn't give up a lot of home runs either last year or the year before, Scott. So uh, like I said, just kind of an end game option for me. Nothing certainly to get excited about, but a, a name to maybe tuck away and, and view him with a little more interest than, than you might just by looking at the strikeout ratios. So uh, as yeah. I see we're uh, – I'm sorry, Scott, to cut you off there. Uh, but we do have to go into break right now. We have a couple other news items that we still have to cover. Uh, we'll get those on the other side of the break and talk about a few pitchers that uh, I think Scott might uh, have, some, have some insight on. So we will be right back. Welcome back everybody to FanRag Fancy Baseball. This is Alan Melchior and I'm joined today by Scott Styrus, cricket legend. And uh, we're going to talk a little fancy baseball here though, maybe a little cricket later on. But um, just to wrap up on some other news items, uh, the Mets are apparently concerned about Lucas Duda and his health. For the coming season, missed time last year with a stress fracture in his back. So both uh, David Wright and Jay Bruce may get some time at first base uh, during spring training. And actually the biggest uh, uh, domino, if you will, uh, in terms of this situation that uh, has caught my attention is Michael Conforto. Maybe if Jay Bruce plays in first base, that's the ticket for Conforto to get some regular playing time. Otherwise here, I'm not sure if this is really going to change uh, much on my uh, draft rankings, how about you, Scott?
1: Yeah, look, I'm with you. I, it's almost an avoid situation isn't it? until you see who who steps up and, and grabs that position and opportunity. Uh, I'm not overly enthused by any of them, to be perfectly honest. I've been an, a J. Bruce owner for multiple seasons, and he is a frustrating guy to own at the best of times, and that's when he is uh, playing well with the Reds in their small park. But I'm not. Yeah, I'd avoid that. I understand the, the love for Conforto because he's so talented, um, but he, it, it, you know, from afar anyway, it seems like the manager's not a huge believer in his skills. Is that fair?
0: And I think it does. It, to me, it's puzzling based on what he did in the minors and then what he came up as a rookie right after the All-Star break, you know, he had that great Futures game performance, which got people, I think, a little bit excited for his call-up, and then that came very, very quickly after, and he hit pretty well, so I know there's some splits issues with him, and of course more practically, there are playing time issues, so at least if Lucas Duda isn't right this season, it's bad for Duda and, and for his draft value, but could be a positive for Conforto, I suppose. But, uh, yeah,
1: yeah that's, as, it's a positive thing. That is. I mean, as a sportsman, you, need, you you feel like you want the backing of your of your bosses, and in cricket, it's a captain. Your captain on the team is, is the most important, because he's actually the guy that makes all the decisions, not the manager uh, in, in like it is in baseball. But if, if Conforto's turning up to the park every day and he's unsure whether he's playing, then he's not focusing on what he needs to do as much. And it's, it's actually quite hard and affects people quite in quite different ways. So, uh, you know, it, it, I'd love to see the manager just walk up and say, this is your job for the season, no matter what, and just forget about it and go out and play because he's so talented. Uh, I think he'd nail that spot. But at the moment, it's, it's tough to tell.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of us are rooting for that situation. So not that we're rooting for anything bad for Lucas Duda, but uh, <laughs> if you could have it both ways, that would yeah. be even better. But uh, also yeah, exactly. uh, another development here with the Royals, actually a couple of things. Uh, Travis Wood signed, so uh, and he's going to be a starter for them. Now, I talked about Travis Wood a couple of shows ago because he was rumored to maybe be signing with the Padres, and I would said that I like that situation for Wood. I'd say I like... The Royals situation similarly, in fact, maybe a little better because I think Wood probably stands to win a few more games with the Royals and a very good park for a fly ball pitcher there. But again, sort of like I was talking about with Gen Mar Gomez, not a, not a whole lot of fantasy value, but certainly something that maybe puts them a little closer to the radar than would be otherwise. And then the other uh, news item, which is getting a lot of attention just because of the bizarre quality of it, is Brian Flynn Uh, fell through the roof of his barn while I I believe he was making repairs and uh, he uh, broke a rib and has three non-displaced fractures in his vertebrae so it actually sounds like a pretty gruesome injury but he should be back at some point this season uh, most likely in a relief role though for Flynn now that the the Royals have beefed up their rotation depth so um, let's continue on though with the with the discussion of pitchers, and Scott, I'm, I'm really glad to have you here for this particular discussion because, as you said, as a sportsman, you you bring a very different perspective. And something I'm always curious about is when you hear about a pitcher who's tweaking his arsenal or making some sort of mechanical change and then we're sort of left to speculate, well, is this going to translate into some, some kind of change or hopefully some kind of improvement in his results and I've got an example of a few pitchers who did that last year. And before we get into the particulars of these pitchers, I'm wondering what your perspective is as a cricketer in terms of how difficult is it to make those kinds of mechanical changes and how difficult is it to really make them stick?
1: Uh, it's incredibly difficult. You, you're you basically trying to reteach your, some, yourself something that you've been doing for years and years and years. and And it can take... It, it, it doesn't. People just think you flick a switch and it happens, but it, it doesn't. It's when you're under pressure, uh, do you revert back to the old mechanics, or do you uh, are you able to repeat uh, what you've been trying to learn and change? And, and another one is Jason Hayward, who's supposedly spending the, the whole offseason remaking his swing. Uh, you know, when, but when he comes under pressure and he needs an at bat and, and a hit, is he going to revert back to what what is natural to him? And that's the question with these guys. I mean, the, some of the names that you've that you've got—it's it, it, that's that's what I'd look to see first. So it, it's not so much about what deliveries they've added or what they're doing more of or less of, as as how can they do it under pressure. And if if they can, then I think you can say with, for certain that uh, that those guys have made the adjustments, made the improvements, and will be better better off for it.
0: Yeah. Now that's it's something that I think you really do have to think about, even if you looked at a player who. Has made the adjustment in the recent past and and has had success with it. And uh, actually, somebody who is also in the news, uh, something I think about with this kind of phenomenon, that's Chris Tillman, who's gonna for the first time in four years not be the Orioles' opening day pitcher because he's got a sore shoulder. So he may be out for at least a couple of weeks early on. But I had a conversation with Tillman uh, in the 2015 season. Uh, where he was in the middle of a really interesting stretch where all of a sudden he had become this ground ball pitcher that he had never been before and was pitching with much better control than he had before. And I asked him if he had an explanation or if this was a conscious change on his part. And he said they had changed his location on the pitching rubber and that he was also leaning more on a sinker and that those things helped respectively his control and his ground ball uh, abilities. And then he, uh, very shortly after that, hurt his ankle and just never really got back to that same level. So injuries, I think, maybe can be something that uh, interfere with these kinds of changes, too. So, all right, I've got three pitchers. Uh, We'll try to get to all of these before the break. Uh, Danny Duffy, of course, everybody noticed the big change last year. Lots of strikeouts all of a sudden. Threw more two-seamers. A big, big uh, jump in his average velocity and generating a lot more swings and misses so and he was able to do that pretty much over the course of the season even after being promoted to the rotation what's your trust level with danny duffy
1: it's pretty good yeah i mean i like it he's he's the sort of pitcher though that i i do tend to go after and that's the high strikeout guys who are on the verge of taking that next step and and your ability to pick those i guess is 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 your skill and your your ability to to listen to all the advice that's going around? I, I am a fan. I think he's uh, he was more than off more often than not uh, pretty solid and and trustworthy last season. Uh, and I and I'm a huge believer. It's a he's on a pretty good team. It's not going to be a playoff team potentially, but he he should pitch well enough. I think to be a bit of bit of a stud.
0: Well, here's my one of my concerns with Duffy, and one is what if as you were talking about, Scott, what if the changes he made, uh, whatever it was that allowed him to throw harder last year, what if that becomes undone? And even if he is able to duplicate the success he had, not only did his outward velocity go up, but the exit velocity on balls hit off of him also went up. And he uh, had the highest home run to fly ball ratio allowed in his career, 13%. And allowed a hard contact rate of thirty six point six percent, which is astronomical. And yet he had all the success despite really a lot of hard contact. So it was really all or nothing with him. Either he was making batters swing and miss, or he was getting hit hit around pretty hard. And he got away with it to some extent because of a high strand rate. So I want to like nothing too. I thought he was. So I'm I'm sorry, Scott.
1: I, I couldn't. Yeah, no, you're right. Now I was just asking, so you think he's going to come
0: back down to earth a little bit? I I think he will, and I don't want him to. So I've got the I've got the you know, the angel and the devil perched on my shoulders because <laughs> I've got yeah. the one yeah. who wants to be very generous and say that he was a great story last year, and I love the strikeouts and I love the changes. But then in the other ear, uh, I'm hearing he, he is, does look like a regression candidate. So and then on top of it, this is not something that he's done year after year after year. This is something he did. For, for one season with the uh, enhanced velocity, enhanced
1: strikeout rate. So, uh,
0: yeah. that, so, all so that's all that said, what, yeah. Uh,
1: what uh, what difference do you see between, say, a Danny Duffy and a Robbie Ray?
0: <laughs> I'm, yeah, it's funny because the, the analogy I was going to make was Michael Pineda, but we really could lump all three together. I don't know that there is that much difference. I think Duffy has better, much better control than Ray does, which is why I, I yeah. like the Pineda comp a little better. But, yeah, they're all guys that can miss bats and can get clobbered pretty badly. I I think they're all more or less in the same category. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't know if that would make you like him more or less, but (laughs) I think it's a good comp. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, uh, Matt Shoemaker, also somebody who all of a sudden got a very, very high rate of swings and misses and this seemed to be a little bit more Arsenal-related than a, a big boost in velocity for Shoemaker, but he threw a lot more splitters, was very, very effective for him last year. This is somebody, Shoemaker, who had always had some issues with home runs, but also, like Duffy, pretty good control, or actually, I think, better control than Danny Duffy. How, do you feel more or less confident, or maybe the same level of confidence in terms of Shoemaker maintaining his, uh, his performance?
1: Yeah, I'm a little I have to be honest, I'm a little on the fence with Shoemaker. I owned him for good stretches of last season and he was one of those guys who when watching him that I felt he was you know, so close to it just all falling apart. Uh he he got results without necessarily being dominant and blowing people away and and, and looking like he was Clayton Kershaw. Now we all know that not too many people are Clayton Kershaw but uh, that splitter just saved him time and time again. So the worry for me is that if that doesn't work, that pitch doesn't work as well. He, he then becomes wave wire in many respects because he's not he's not getting out of the trouble that he he looked like he was in on time from time to time. So with him, it was it was heart and mouth uh, stuff watching him, and and I don't know if that's fair or unfair, but uh, I didn't seem to have the same trust levels in him when I watched him live uh, versus some of the other guys.
0: Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing too to to ponder. Is you know we have our, our own sort of gut reactions to things and try to wonder, or, you know, try to figure out exactly how much uh, credence to give those. So uh, one more quick thing about Shoemaker too. He is reportedly hundred percent after getting hit in the head of the line a line drive last year. So that's good news for Shoemaker. Now we've got another pitcher uh, I do want to cover, but we got a head to break. When we come back, we've got another mystery pitcher to talk about. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melfior and I'm joined today by Scott Styrus uh, of uh, cricket fame. And we, just before the break, were talking about a couple of pitchers who had big, big changes and also big uh, improvements in terms of their fantasy stats uh, last season. Danny Duffy and Matt Shoemaker. Now I'm going to throw a third pitcher out there who also made some big adjustments and uh, I won't say much more because I actually want to start with a little bit of word association, Scott. I'm just going to say the pitcher's name and then you just say the the first thing that you can say on live radio that comes to your mind. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the name is Jeremy Hellickson. Yuck. I guess you could say that.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's hard. It's, I don't know about you. I mean, but there are some guys who I just struggle to get enthused by and and get excited about. And it seems that no matter where they fall in draft uh, or, or rankings, or um, if they're on the wire—not so much on the wire—but it, it's just hard to to back myself to pick him up because I just I feel like there's nothing there.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try to make the case that there is something there. But um, yeah, I understand, okay. and certainly when you look at the year-to-year stats, I mean, it's more or less league average, strikeout rate, uh, decent control, but not great, at times has had issues with home runs and pitching in Citizens Bank Park. That's something that you might figure is is going to continue. But I think that Helkson went a little under the radar last year, not a great start with the Phillies, but over his last 17 starts, which... Uh, Went is a little I think a little more than three months, so maybe three and a half months, a little more than half the season. Seventeen starts, a three eleven ERA, one point zero nine whip. And going looking beneath that, and I talked about the issues that he's had with home runs and extra base hits, just a 116 isolated power allowed, which is pretty good. I mean, I think anything under about 130 is is pretty nice. He had 116. And a 23% hard contact rate when the major league average is right around 30. So he did a very, very good job of limiting extra base hits and hard contact just in general. Pitched with better control. Not really a great strikeout rate. In fact, during this good streak, his strikeout rate actually dipped slightly. But um, does this make you feel any better? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that, all those numbers are great, of course. So uh, the question is: Is do you think he can repeat those, or do you think he reverts back to to the the previous guy that he's always been? He doesn't appear, anyway, to have a lot of x factor about uh, about the stuff that he has. So uh, you know, he, there's nothing wrong with being that that solid pitcher. Um, my concern is that is he that solid pitcher, or is he uh, the guy who's who's well aware that he he pitched at his absolute level last year, and and he's going to do everything he can just to get back to that level.
0: Yeah, and you know, on the one hand, he did do this over 17 starts. Which, granted, I've I've had some skepticism just in this show today about players have only done something for a full season, and this was barely more than half a season. But 17 starts is is a good little stretch. It's not nothing, and you can trace the improvement back to. Something that he may have done mechanically, uh, and also uh, that he may have done in terms of his arsenal, he did rely on his changeup a little bit more. And probably more importantly, he was getting more vertical movement on the changeup. Yeah. And from that point forward in late June to the end of the season, he did not allow a single home run off of his changeup. But again, you, you really phrased the question, can he do that again? And uh, none of us really know. Uh, I think we can definitely say that it's a difficult feat after several years in the major leagues to make that kind of radical change stick for more than three and a half months.
1: Yeah, so, so in my opinion anyway, that he's, he's sort of someone I'd like to see be on someone else's team to find out whether that's going to be the case or not. I don't really want to take that risk. Uh, I think you'll you'll always have someone in your league that is a big believer in him. And if that's the case, then I'm I'm more than happy to say, he's all yours. I'll, I'll look elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, and just to compare him with Duffy, who we talked about earlier, Duffy has that really, or at least last season, had that really great strikeout rate. And so you figure, well, if he gives up some home runs, he's really buying himself sort of a cushion there by not allowing much contact. And with Hellickson, it's really sort of the opposite, that what he did better was not allow much hard contact, but he doesn't leave himself much of a margin for error by being pretty average in terms of avoiding contact altogether. So I think it certainly is going way out on a limb to say that if I'm going to take a chance on somebody, it's, it's going to be Duffy versus somebody like Hellickson. But Hellickson could be a, a nice, cheap pickup who could present a nice return and, and very little risk, I think. So I think that's the benefit of banking on Helkson to and uh, to repeat what he did late last season.
1: Yeah, Duffy's a sticky pick, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, now, you had mentioned something when you talked about Shoemaker. You said that you didn't really have the same kind of confidence just watching him as opposed to somebody like Duffy, even though he was getting these amazing results. And I have now three hitters – who had a change in fortunes last year, uh, each one generally for the positive, but really a different profile from these hitters. And I'm interested in your kind of gut reaction to them, not even so much digging into the stats, because with, with hitters that don't take a very clear arc uh, towards a certain type of performance or towards a certain type of change, you really have to decide which data you're going to listen to more, more carefully, right? So let's start with Xander Bogarts, because he's somebody who really confuses me a lot. He initially came in the majors, showed some promising power for a young guy, and then followed that up with a season where he had very little power, but used the whole field like crazy and hit 320, and then last year reverted back to somebody who had 20, well, not reverted back to 20-plus home run power, but became somebody who had 20-plus home run power, but didn't use... The whole field quite as much. I don't know who Xander Bogarts is going to be in 2017, but what's just what's your gut take on him and how you're going to address him on draft day?
1: Yeah, he, he, Xander Bogarts. I'm not sure as sure what Xander Bogarts is going to be. He's still a young guy and and he's still trying to find out his best approach at the plate. I think yeah, it, it's a it's a natural growing pain for a young player or a hitter in any sport really. you know, He's almost Carlos Correa like in what we saw in the first year to the second and that there are changes but I think that those changes you'll see over time and he'll turn into the complete hitter that he is. There's too much skill I think with Zander Bogarts for him to be one or the other. I think he'll be a super consistent player uh, in the long run anyway. Um, which of those two types of players, the one that I had and owned in my team two seasons ago or what he was last year, I'm not quite sure. You could possibly make an argument he's going to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I, I like Xander Bogarts. I think he's a good, solid hitter. He's not really someone to get excited about, I don't think. But uh, he's, he's not going to let you down from where you have to get uh, or draft him, I don't think, even though Guy's at his position, and that position is deep this year.
0: Right. And I think that's something that really changes the whole equation, as opposed to a year ago where you had this very limited track record with Bogarts, but you thought, well, why not? maybe reach for him a little early because it appeared like shortstop was going to be fairly thin, like it had been for many years before, and then all of a sudden you had this emergence of all these these power hitters at the position. So this year you could probably wait a little longer on Bogarts, and at the same time, if it doesn't work out, I think there's more good options available cheaply than there used to be.
1: Yeah, I think there's, again, there's, there's sexy picks, isn't there? And And he's probably not going to be one of them. He's going to be viewed as a safe guy, and, and, and now with the emergence of the Carlos Correa's and the Corey Seager's and, and these sorts of guys at, at shortstop in particular, uh, they have all jumped in front of him, probably quite rightly. Uh, but, but you're right, I think that means that it does drop him back a little bit and and you can get good value out of him. Um, but I, I think he's, he's a super talent, so I wouldn't be surprised if he takes another step forward uh, in his overall game this year.
0: All right, well, we're going to stick with the shortstop trend here, and not by coincidence, because this week we are featuring shortstops on the FanRag Draft Guide, so we've got rankings up, and all week long we're going to have different features related to shortstops. Uh, one that I recently wrote about, Eduardo Nunez, uh, whereas Bogarts, you can't really say he came out of nowhere. I mean, he you know came to the major leagues with a lot of prospect hype and has pretty much lived up to it. Nunez, after really scuffling for most of his career and just struggling to get playing time became pretty much of a fantasy monster last year. So do you, do you value him similarly this year as the way he performed in 2016 or
1: are you just not buying it? No, no, that's pretty much it. I'm not buying it. uh, he's He's another one of those guys. He could, he could fall 50 places below where his average draft position is. And I don't think I'd buy it. I just find it hard trusting trusting guys who have been bit-part players the whole way through their career and then they suddenly turn it on. I find it similar, although I think the the skills are different, for someone like a Jonathan Br, who I find hard to trust. Uh, I have more trust in him than I do with an Eduardo Nunez, but um, I do think those guys who haven't been able to prove it yet, or they don't have that that elite uh, profile, Um, It it just is is hard to back them to to repeat the skills and the performance they put in the year before, and I'll certainly put Nunez in that bracket.
0: So what makes the difference between VR and Nunez? Because both showed more power than they typically had. Uh, Both could give you a lot of steals. So what what gives you more trust in VR? Uh,
1: Well, I think from memory, Nunez didn't quite always have the position locked down when he was traded. VR seems to have clear playing time uh, and, and a position there. Uh, so has Nunez got it? I'm not quite sure. So in New Zealand, we, we don't uh, get saturated by baseball news at all. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's learn as we go when the season starts. But um, yeah, yeah it was, his level of performance last year was phenomenal. So even with some regression, which I think he will, uh, that still makes him valuable. Whereas Nunez, if he's not even going to be playing as much, which I'm speculating from my perspective across the other side of the world, uh, it makes it harder to own him.
0: Yeah, I I do think Nunez may be more at risk of losing the job. I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll play. I, I think chances are he's going to stick with that role, and he'll certainly early on, he'll have the role down. But uh, like you, I, I like VR a lot more. And then one more, just really quickly before the break. Brad Miller, 30 home run power. Will he keep that? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, he's one who I, I actually owned him when he first came up. There was a bit of hype about him. I, I, I was a believer in the sense that, you know, here's someone I could take a flyer on and see if he worked out. And of course he didn't. He, he sort of flamed out badly. And, and maybe by, we talked a little earlier about the fact that he's, all of a sudden he's got a job and he's got an opportunity and he's only worrying about playing now. He doesn't have to worry about whether the, the manager's going to tap him on the shoulder and say, uh, look, you know you're not you're not in for today's match, you, you or your, today's game. Uh, he can just concentrate on what he's doing, and he was outstanding. So I, it would not surprise me one bit if he goes back out there and repeats it. Uh, I, you know, I'm not banking on it, not by any stretch of the imagination, because we saw all the power across the league go through the roof last year, and and maybe it comes back a little bit. But it wouldn't surprise me, since the fact that uh, he did have a, a bit of hype about him in his early days, so the pedigree is obviously there somewhat.
0: I like it. I like it. I think most people are doubting it. So I, I like the, uh, the contrarian view there Brad Miller. Excellent. All right. Well, we got ahead head to break again. But when we come back, uh, we are going to answer your tweets that we got. Some cricket, some fancy baseball. So stick around. <laughs> Welcome back to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. This is Al Melchior, your host, and I'm going to bring it on home for this last segment with Scott Styrus, who has joined us from the cricket world. But uh, Scott, a veteran fantasy baseball player, with lots of great insights uh, today. So, uh, Scott, we got a couple of uh, Twitter questions to tackle here. Uh, first Are you one. Doing? Okay. Yep. Uh, first one is from Bart Jaeger. This is at Bloodstream100. And he wants to know if we can name a starting pitcher, and I'll speak for myself and say I've actually got more than one, but can you name a starting pitcher that will be drafted outside the top 50 that has a chance to be top 15, 1-5?
1: Who you got, Scott? Well, it depends who your top 50 is. But, yeah, there's a couple of guys that I like, and and some of them have been talked about a lot. I mean, depending on what your your thoughts are, I like a Paxton and and a Gosman. Um, tough division though for Kevin Gosman I thought at the back end of last season he started to make the strides uh, that we saw, I was always a believer in Garrett Richards as well, now I'm not sure whether people have him outside their top 50 uh, and whether the, the injections he had in his elbow will enable him to pitch a full season, but just in case uh, that is the case, then he's, he has the ability because he's done it before, so I, I like Paxton Gosman and, and Richards um, and even though
0: he's on a bad team, maybe Manaya And I like Manaya a lot, Sean Mania. Um And I'm going to look up uh, on NFBC and their uh, draft ADP where Richards is going because I don't happen to know that. Well, he is outside the top 50 currently. He is uh, 69th. Granted, these are early drafts. A lot can change. But uh, you mentioned Paxton. He's 51, so he technically does qualify. Uh, and Paxton would certainly be very, very close to the top of my list. In fact, he, I thought he was sneaky good last year, but a lot of people do seem to view Paxton as a sleeper. So even though he's currently outside the top 50, he's not sleeping as much as I, I wish he was. <laughs> yeah. But you, know, you, you mentioned Richards, and of course there being uh, a health, uh, an injury history and a health concern with him. Uh, One of the guys that I think is really getting underdrafted is Sonny Gray and see if I can locate where he is, because I think he's he's outside the top 50 as well. Um, And I seem to be alone. Yeah, he's 55. He is actually no longer the highest ranked starting pitcher named Gray. John Gray is 46th. Um, That's uh, your Alt F uh, control F uh, update for you there. But uh, you know, Sonny Gray, if you go back before last season again, somebody who maybe gets overlooked because of peripherals that don't look fantastic, but sort of like uh, a poor man's Johnny Cueto, you know, he gets it done on limiting the hits on balls and play and uh, getting a lot of ground balls as well. So I think Sonny Gray could potentially be a top 15 or at least top 20 pitcher again, if he's right and if he's healthy this year. But the guy I'm really super excited about who, uh, after a difficult uh, latter part of the season and and, uh, a DL stint, is Aaron Nola, currently 57th in ADP. But in terms of the peripherals, I I think he's going to be potentially one of the best in the major leagues. Really great control, probably more than a strikeout per inning. uh, Elite in terms of getting called strikes, but also uh, can get batters to swing and miss too. It's really the whole package. So if Nola's healthy... I think he's going to be much much better much more valuable than uh how he's being drafted up to this point
1: yeah i had aaron nola for for a lot of the early part of of last season and uh, he showed exactly what you're talking about and i and i thought you know i've got myself a winner here because uh, you know we play in a relatively shallow league it's only 11 uh, 11 player league and and if we only have 140 starts So we only really need five starters each and and so I got him off the waiver wire, but then I also was the owner of him and I held on to him for too long through that phase where he was just getting clobbered left, right and centre. And I just wondered to myself, cause, uh, which is the real Aaron Nola? Is it the guy uh, you know, with the underlying peripherals that you're talking about where he's, he is outstanding and it's just the fact that he's he's obviously injured or he's carrying a niggle? Uh, or is he, is he actually just a run-of-the-mill kind of pitcher? And that's what I'm a little unsure about.
0: Yeah. Well, and as you're talking about him and again, having that sort of dilemma about how to read the tea leaves on him and especially as a young player who has not much of a track record is is, which one was the the real Nola or was either one the real Nola? There was a report today that Dallas Keuchel admitted that he pitched hurt last year. And anytime time you see somebody just inexplicably drop off from an established level like that, and again, it's less established for Nola than it was for Keichel, who was outstanding for two years in a row, uh, it, it, it does make you wonder. And I think it was such a dramatic drop-off. You just figure there's got to be something health-wise going on there. And, and sometimes yeah, so you, your, you find out later that your, it, that's what it was.
1: Yeah, in your experience, how, how often do you run into these players where they say, oh, I was hurt, and it's just simply to cover up or mask the fact that they
0: were poor the year before. Uh, it goes I guess it goes the other way. Uh and you can't always tell what what uh what's accurate. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's, that's a good point as well. And I guess with Keuchel, now that we have this admission, we'll we'll see. We'll see this year. But I'm pretty bullish on him because I'll buy the the 2014 and 2015 performance over the 2016 performance regardless of what the reason is. Uh, and to me, an injury seems like it was a a plausible explanation, but you're right. We can't know. We got one more question here, Scott, and I'm going to just let you take, take this one, uh, because you're the only one on this podcast uh, or on the show who's qualified to answer this question, which uh, this is from, uh, jury underscore rigor, which sport takes more skill to play, uh, route that he means uh, baseball or cricket. Round bat on round ball from 60.5 feet away without any drops seems way tougher in my opinion.
1: <laughs> uh, I, oh, I'm not sure I am qualified because I've never played a game of baseball in my life. As I say, baseball is not a big sport here uh, in New Zealand at all. But uh, I think they're just different. It's, it's the, same, the same distance. to roughly 60 feet. Six inches is, um, is uh, the same for, for cricket. Uh, the ball is a little bit harder. It's slightly slower. Uh, the big difference is that that you only get one chance in, in cricket versus baseball. You you know in baseball you keep going through the order and you keep getting more and more at bat, so you can be a lot more aggressive. Uh, in cricket, it's it's you get one chance to bat. If you hit it up in the air and you're out, then that's it. Your game is over. So uh, it's it's that risk reward thing. So well, about six years ago, we were touring uh, the the. Caribbean and, and we stopped in Miami and we came to a game and we were invited along by the Marlins and we, and we, and we actually trained with the Marlins pre-game. They were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks when uh, Hanley Ramirez was still at, at the Marlins and, uh, and Justin Upton was still at the Diamondbacks. And so we put all the cricket gear on Hanley Ramirez and, and threw some balls to Hanley with the cricket bat and with a cricket ball and he could barely hit the ball out of the infield. Uh, and yet our guys when, when can hit the ball you know out of sight as well with a cricket bat, whereas when our guys had a turn with the with a baseball bat, you know our guys could barely hit the thing past the uh, past the infield or into the outfield, so it's just different swing plane the basic skills are there i think uh, I think good baseballers would make good cricketers, I think good cricketers would make good baseballers because of the fact that it's a hand eye game and and the balls travel at similar speeds, and you're looking to hit the thing as far as you can so you know, it, it, yeah, it's not as, it's not so much one's better than the other. I think they're the same skills. Uh, it would just take some time to to learn.
0: Well, all right. So that I, there's no need for me to discount Hanley in my rankings just because he he can't play cricket. Is what you're saying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, exactly. But we have we have these padded gloves that we use uh, on our hands to stop breaking our hands. And he put these on, and he, he immediately called his teammates over to say, "Look at these," because basically. <laughs> on the hand all the time and i always wondered why you wouldn't use cricket gloves for that and just to protect the hands because that's their money really isn't it when they play yeah well scott thank you so
0: much for joining us. i'm afraid we're out of time here but uh check scott out on twitter scott b uh styrus uh thanks again scott uh, this is al melchior thank you very much for joining us today. we'll be back on friday with john hayman and also thanks to frank stampel our producer today Uh, Hope to see you back here again real soon.